Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. We offer to our visitors a cordial welcome to this assembly. We invite you back at 5 p.m. when I'll be preaching from First Chronicles about a great day in the life of David. Wednesday night in the auditorium class, we continue in James chapter 5, and all the children's classes are based on biblical text. It is what we do here at Laurel Heights. We have our Bibles open, and we have our minds ready to listen to God's Word. Have your Bible ready this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And while you're turning there, I'll explain what we've been doing this year in 1 Corinthians. Beginning in January of this year, we've been preaching through the 1 Corinthian letter. We have discovered very early that there were problems in the church at Corinth. God gave Paul the remedies, and Paul wrote those instructions to the local church in Corinth back in the first century. Today, we receive benefit from that instruction as we read and study the first Corinthian letter. And we arrive today in the final chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I should like to read now 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wider door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him, help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. <clears throat> Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong 
Let all that you do be done in love. Now, I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortinaeus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings, <clears throat> Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to provide for us a abbreviated summary approach of 1 Corinthians 16. And then I'll spend the second part of my time this morning with a practical focus on spiritual maturity for Christians today. We're here in 1 Corinthians 16. Remembering that God gave Paul what he wrote, the opening verses in chapter 16 inform the Christians in Corinth that there is a need among the saints that makes it necessary to give. On the first day of the week, let each of you give, and it reads in the English Standard Version, let each of you put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. From the beginning of the church, back in Acts chapter 2, throughout the book of Acts and here in this epistle, Christians gave to help needy Christians. Now, how did they do that? They didn't market products. They didn't have bake sales, raffles, or chicken dinners. They gave from what they had individually. And notice, this was not just a directive for one church. Paul said, as I directed the churches of Galatia. So as to the matter of raising money for the Lord's work, this is the only example. Voluntary, free will, giving by the members. Next, the epistle gets very personal regarding Paul. He shares with the church his travel plans. And you will observe that some of this is tentative. Paul does not write as an absolute when he opens up his calendar. He doesn't assume that he knows how everything will work out in the future days. In the middle of this, in fact, 
Mark that phrase in verse 7. If the Lord permits. That's perfectly in keeping with what James said about Christians making plans over in James chapter 4. This final chapter is people-oriented. Timothy was doing the work of the Lord, let no one despise him, help him on his way. Apollos would come when he had opportunity. The Stephanus family devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Various brethren refreshed Paul's spirit. Paul enjoyed a good relationship with Aquila and Prisca. A church met in their house. And then Paul says, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Remember all the troubles and issues in the church at Corinth. Apparently, there were some who simply didn't love the Lord. Paul speaks that to their shame, to their condemnation. That's a summary of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Well, except for one other part of it that we're going to take up during the rest of our time. Verses 13 and 14 will become our focus now. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. Let's talk about that. Let's apply that to ourselves. There should be in the intentions and behavior of every Christian here a zealous commitment to pursue spiritual maturity, to be better disciples, to grow in knowledge, to identify deficiencies, and use the Word of God to work hard on those deficiencies. A zealous commitment to pursue spiritual maturity. And again, as we remember the problems in the Corinthian church, Paul made it clear earlier that there was an ugly absence of spiritual maturity. Remember that they were divided based on their misguided loyalty to men. There was a man guilty of open adultery and the church had done nothing. There was jealousy and envy and strife. There was a misuse of the Lord's Supper, disorder in their assemblies. And Paul just came out and said in chapter 3, you're acting like a bunch of babies. That's what he said. Not grown men and women, but you're acting like a bunch of babies. Carnal, fleshly, immature. And as we read the Corinthian letter, one impression it should make on us is we don't want to be like their childish behavior exposed earlier in the letter. We want to be grown, spiritually mature, operating by divine wisdom as zealous disciples of Christ who get up every day and want to do better. That's what we want. And captured in the middle of this passage, there is a phrase, act like men. Act like men. Now, listen carefully. That's not a gender reference. 
It's a maturity reference. That's not a gender reference. It's a maturity reference. It says this, grow up. Don't act like toddlers in the faith, but grown people in the faith. Be moving daily in that direction toward maturity. Faith that is real and active and growing and maturing. The King James says, quit you like men. And that's about how we acquit ourselves as adults, spiritual adults. Now, surrounding that concept of maturity, there are four imperative phrases. And we're going to look at each of those four phrases. Be watchful. Well, this is a problem in many areas of earthly life, isn't it? And can be expressed with the confession, I just wasn't paying attention. How many times have you said that? Maybe last week, maybe this morning. I, I just wasn't paying attention. I got to get my mind back where it needs to be. We lose our keys. We leave our cell phone somewhere and we just weren't paying attention. But here in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, we are at another level altogether. We're not talking about keys and cell phones. Not paying attention to God. To the duty of discipleship. Not paying attention to the assaults of the devil. Not paying good attention to opportunities to serve not being watchful about the approach of subtle false teaching or deception or the other illusions of the devil. The idea here is the stance and the alertness of a guard. We ought to be on guard duty all the time. Standing watchful about the things of God and the approach of the world and the devil. Be watchful. It's what mature Christians do. Stand firm in the faith. Have you ever encountered an imperative in the New Testament that sounds like this? Sit down, relax, you're saved now. No. The New Testament imperatives to Christians are, be watchful, stand up, be ready, don't compromise. You remember last month when we came to the end of chapter 15 in our study of 1 Corinthians, in our preaching through the book. We read that chapter about the resurrection of Christ, the certainty of it, foreshadowing the resurrection of God's people at the end of time. Now, what does that mean to us? Listen to that final verse in chapter 15. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's labor that I'm to be involved in. And it's labor that is not in vain. We don't sit down on the job. We stand, we move, we walk, 
and we do the work of the Lord, knowing that the work of the Lord is not in vain. Imperatives for spiritual maturity. Be watchful. Stand firm. And be strong. I'm going to take us back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 in just a moment. In the first three imperatives here, what is hinted is the imagery of the soldier watching on guard, standing your ground, and now be strong. I want to take us to 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, and I want us to listen to the words of Paul in this other context, 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. To Timothy, Paul said, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Timothy is to be a soldier of the Lord who is involved in all the discipline that the word soldier captures. The soldier of Christ must be disciplined, must be working towards strength all the time. We are at war with the adversary. We are at war with the adversary, the devil. And no war can be won by undisciplined, unkempt, unpunctual, lazy soldiers. We must be alert and sharp and willing to endure hardship and not entangled in the affairs of the world. Our assignment is to take orders, to use the equipment God has provided through His Word, to exhibit courage under fire and to follow Jesus wherever He leads, knowing He will lead us to ultimate victory. These are imperatives for spiritual maturity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Be strong and let all that you do be done in love. In some relationships, in some relationships and some responses in life, this is easy, natural, smooth. In a good marriage, where husband and wife are striving to do the will of the Lord and devoted to one another. It is a pleasure to let all that you do be done in love. In a good parent-child relationship, everything can be done based on love. When brethren are united and enjoy a refreshing relationship, everything can be done in love. In some cases, it is not a tough challenge. But in other cases, it may be more challenging. What about this in Matthew 5.44? Jesus said, love your enemies. It's one thing to love my kids and my grandkids. One thing to love my wife. 
and love my good brethren who are my family. Jesus said, love your enemies. That's tough. We need to just admit that. This aspect of spiritual maturity calls for love across the board. Not just when it's easy and natural, but when it's tough. Let all that you do be done in love. Even when we deal with people who disappoint us and agitate us and oppose us, we do not abandon love because we know that hate can be our ruin. Hate can make us reckless. It wrecks benevolence and helps nobody. When we cease to love, we cease to be good. But Paul, what do you mean when you say, let all that you do be done in love? Paul, have you told us the specifics of what that behavior looks like, what it sounds like? Paul says, yes, I've, I've told you. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not assist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Paul told us what it meant. And now he tells us, let all that you do be done in love. Sometimes I think we're looking for secrets. You ever go to Barnes and Noble bookstore and there are people who are browsing casually and there are people who are looking for a particular book in a section that they've already become acquainted with. But you see other people at Barnes and Noble and other bookstores who seem to be frantic and they go immediately to the self-help section and they pull one book after the other off the shelf and open it up and there is a look in their countenance that they need something. They're looking for some secret. What's the latest book about self-improvement and how to get my life right? And they skip right over the section that has these. Sometimes we're looking for secrets, the latest book, the websites and blogs that have something new, the deep answers. We're looking sometimes for some theological challenge we can play around with for a while, when really what we need is the simple Word of God. To give heed to the simple instructions Christ gave for His people through the apostles written in the New Testament. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. 
Be strong. Let all you do be done in love. One more point, please. This year, I've preached us through the first Corinthian letter. Throughout our journey through this book of the New Testament, it's been clear to us that that local church in Corinth was troubled. And by that we mean there were people who were not watchful, not standing firm, not strong in the faith, weak and unloving. Sometimes we get to such a low place, the easiest thought is hopelessness, and we think things are so bad, I might as well give up. But after a few days of giving up, we get up one morning and say, well, that didn't work. That didn't help me out any. That didn't change me. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And then at the very end of the Corinthian letter, where does Paul go? At the very end of the letter, where does he go? I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, amen. Let's be standing as we sing.